We are on Daf Ayin Dalad Ahmed Aleph. The top line, last one on the line. Really chashiv. Now, there's stories like this. Yesterday, we pointed out that that Zora winnowing and Borer choosing and Merakade and sifting were essentially doing all the same job. They're also they're separating the good part of the food from the bad part. So from the good part, from the waste part. So we asked, why are they separate malacha? So he answered, because since they all occurred in the Mishkan, even though they really do have the same essential uh, purpose uh, in work, they consider three different malachas. So asked, now the Gemara is going to ask Akash, if you're telling me that what the things that were in the Mishkan, even though they repeat each other's job, are considered to be chief categories of malacha, says the Gemara, according to you, uh, then you should also include the pounding, for example, the pounding of wheat. In other words, just like we do threshing, that we beat the wheat to separate it from the, from the outer thick shell, from the thick shell that it comes into, there's a second process that we do, which is called kotesh, which is a pounding, which separates the bran from the wheat, the inner shell. So now we have two answers that we're going to see. So the question is the same way you told me why that Zora and Bora and Meraki were considered three different three different malachas, even though they repeat the same the same essential idea because they existed in the Mishkan. Well, then Kotesh also existed in the Mishkan, just like they just like they took the uh, just like they took the plant for the dyes and they and they and they uh, threshed it. They also pounded it. Amrabai Sabai answers, I'll tell you there's a difference. Shekane Ani Ochapita blow Katisha. He says, I'll tell you why. Because poor people eat their bread without pounding it. It's interesting because today whole wheat bread up with bread with the bread is considered better. No, but poor people can't bother. So the norm, the normal way of making bread, and the, and the, and remember, and uh, we're learning that we we interpreted all of the malachas and the, and the malachas in the in the uh, Mishnah were were teaching us as we're gonna see the order of making bread, even though it was really mirroring the the uh, the process of the plants for the dyes in the Mishkan. So when it comes to pounding, the, the average guy does not pound the wheat the second time in order to take away the bread. There's too much trouble. And therefore, it's not considered, it's not, it's not considered, an, it's not considered one of the 39 chief categories. Now, Rashi says it is definitely an Av Malacha. In other words, the pounding to take off the bread is indeed an Av Malacha. There's a, there is some debate about whether he means it's an Av Malacha, i.e. identical to the Av Malacha of threshing, or he means it's a truly separate Av Malacha. But simply I'll say simply that the, the simplest way to say it, the easier way to say it would be that it's a repetition of same malacha, just like planting and planting a sap, planting a seed, and planting a sapling are one thing. Also, this threshing and the pounding are one thing. So, no, it's, it, it didn't list it separately because it's not what it's not because it's teaching us how you make bread. And the average guy doesn't do it that way. But in a chenami, it is definitely an avmalacha pounding, pounding it to take off the brand would be. But that's, that's why it's not listed in the, in the 39. Rav Amar, Rav Amar says, no, here's a different reason why it's not there. He says, Hamani Rebbe, this is according to Rebbe that we've quoted, that's about to come up later. Remember, it was the famous teaching of Rebbe that he darshan from the Pasuk that there are 39 malachas. Remember, remember, Dvarim, Hadvarim, Dvarim, two things, Hadvarim, three things, Ela, 
36 plus 339. If you would add pounding into it, you would end up with 40. So we know, so it's going to be from our tradition, that it's only going to be 39, and it's not going to be 40. And therefore, you cannot include the pounding as one of the Ab Malachas. One second. If you're going to tell me that what, that because it's a tradition, you understand it's got to be limited to 39. So why did you have three versions? In other words, i.e., winnowing, choosing, and, and, uh, and uh, sifting. And, and you only had one when it came to dash, to, to, to threshing, why don't you get rid of, why don't you throw out one of those three, a winnowing, uh, winnowing, choosing, or, 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 um, or, or sifting, and put in kotesh, then you'll have two, you'll have, you'll have threshing, you'll have dash and kotesh, threshing and pounding, and you'll have two, two, two of the other three, even it out, if you're, gonna, if, you're, if you're guided by your tradition, it has to be 39, so make it two and two, why'd you make it three and one? Ella, but rather, so that, that, and that's considered a knockout argument. Ella, but rather, it's most it's more satisfactory to say, like Abaya said, simply that simply that there's no question that pounding is an a pounding is pounding is definitely uh, also is pounding is an av malacha. But it, but we just didn't mention it. We didn't mention it in the thirty nine because it's not it's not the normal. Way. It's not in. It doesn't make the the number of the thirty nine because it's not the normal way that people the way that normal people make their bread. That, that's what he said. Tanarabana we learned in a brisa. Now I, we're about to learn a brisa that's enigmatic, and there's no question about it. And it, it's it seems almost self it seems self contradictory. We have many versions. I'm going to read it in the simplest way, and I assure you, it's not simple at all. This gemara it takes great work to to actually derive the halacha from. Tanarabana we learn hayulafan of mineacholim. According to Rashi, this means simply he had the different parts of the food. In other words, he had he had food and its waste product together mixed up. Bore, the Bryce says, Borah of Ochel, he may uh, choose and eat. Borah he can choose and put it, leave it for other people to eat. But he shouldn't choose. Vim and if he did choose, Chayv Chatas, he is obligated to bring a sacrifice. So obviously it's like self contradictory. You just told me I could choose and I could choose and then don't choose. And if you choose, you have to bring a sacrifice. Make up your mind. My Kamar, what's it saying? It's self contradictory. Amar Ula, here's the first version. Ula says, Kamar, this is what it says. Borah. Sorry, man, you can't see me at all here. <laughs> yeah, hello. Here, so he says, um, What are you allowed to do? You can choose for today. Let's think of it this way. In other words, let's think that normally when I'm going to do choosing, I'm processing the grain. So you're processing a crop. So you're going to do it in the, in the quantities that you're going to uh, you know, you're going to put away. But here, but you can choose, okay, to, you can choose for eating uh, that for yourself for that particular for that day. Or you can choose it and leave it for others to eat. for that day. That's fine. Okay. Lo but you shouldn't choose. We beer You shouldn't choose. Uh, and if he does choose, no. It's, but you, uh, pardon me. And when it comes for tomorrow, you want to choose from today to tomorrow, you shouldn't choose. And if you did, then you're obligated to bring a sacrifice. So, so choosing for today is fine. Choosing for tomorrow, that's already the real choosing. That's a normal processing. And that you're obligated to bring a sacrifice for. What are you talking about? Choosing is a malach, and you can choose for today. If you choose for tomorrow, you have to bring a chatas. Choose for today is fine. What are you talking about? I'm going to tell me, did anybody say you could bake something for today and not for Tomorrow, baking. What do you mean? And are you are you allowed to bake for today? Are you allowed to cook for today? Who ever heard of such a thing? 
Who said, if something's a malacha, you told me, if you do it for tomorrow, you're allowed to do it for today. Whoever heard that doing for today is different than for tomorrow. Okay, then we, we explain why it could be different, but that's not the point. Elam Rav Chizda, but rather, so Rav Chizda rejects it. He says, this is what you have to say. Here's how he explained the b'risa. The b'risa meant to say, here, we're again paraphrasing, the first part and the second part. You can choose and you can eat uh, 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 and eat. You can, you can choose and eat what is that when you choose less than the than the the, the minimum amount, less than the less than the size of a dried fig? You did less than the minimal size to be obligated. Uh, and here and 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 you can here and you can choose and put away for and leave leave it for other people to eat. What less than the minimal amount? Okay, but when it comes to the minimal amount, once you did the size of a dried fig, a gorgeras, lo yifro, you shouldn't do it. If you did do it, that you have to make a sacrifice. In other words, that little bit of, that little amount, that, that's not the malacha. But you do the minimum amount, that's the malacha. Gemara says, come on, what are you talking about? The whole Torah, we don't say such a thing. What are you talking about? Are you, are you, allowed, to, are you allowed to cook less than a shear? Whoever heard such a thing? You know, we never heard of such a thing. It's an accepted aloha, even though we debate it, but it's an accepted aloha that a chetzi shir, when the Torah tells us that something's forbidden, even if we do, even if we may not be punished, except for at a certain threshold, doing less than the threshold that you won't be punished for, you're still forbidden to do. So how can you tell me that I'm allowed to choose less than the, less than the minimum amount that I'm punished for? Elama Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, okay, drop that. I'll give you a different explanation of the Raisa. It means like this. You can choose and eat for yourself. Okay, what, but what? Biyad. You can, you can choose and eat for yourself by choosing by hand. Ah, that's different. Choosing, the, the, the industrial choosing, etc., etc., as, as we'll see, is with, is with the utensils that are made for the job. You can choose and eat, eat, eat when you choose by hand. You can choose and give other people to eat and leave it for other people to eat. Biyad, when you choose by hand. Now, but in the middle category, using two non-normal utensils for choosing, Namely, and namely, uh, like a funnel that was really for coin for coin processing, but and you want to use it for choosing, or a big plate, which is also not the norm. Lo yivro, you shouldn't you shouldn't choose with them vimbira. But if you did pater, you still are exempt from Torah punishment, but you're forbidden by the rabbis. So you're, you're exempt from Torah punishment, but it's still forbidden according to the rabbis. But if you're going to choose with a with a Fine sieve, or with a coarse sieve, lo yivror, then you're not allowed to choose. Those are the utensils that are used for choosing. And if you did choose with those things, that's the normal way of processing, that then uh, of selecting, then the person is obligated to bring a sacrifice. Maski Flora Puna says, one second, how did you stuff all that into the brisa? You got you, you got you got these Caleb and those Caleb. He says, Me the Kana Tamchai Tani. I say did it talk about a big fun about a funnel and about a plate? And did it talk about a big sea a, a, a fine sieve and a coarse sieve? What are you talking about? We just had you stuff all that in there. It doesn't say it. Ramuna says, This is the way you have to explain the brisa. Look at all these ways of explaining the same brisa. He says, he says, here's what it's saying. You can choose and eat, choose and eat what, as long as you choose, as long as you take the good from the, from the waste. You choose, not the normal way, you choose the bad from the good. Here, you choose the good from the bad. You can choose and leave it for others to eat, as long as you're choosing what, again, the good part, the, the edible part from the non-edible part. From the choice part from the non-choice part. 
Psolus mitoch ochel, when it comes to choosing, from choosing out, taking out the waste product, okay, from the food product, lo yivro, don't choose it. Vim bira, and if he did choose, chayv chatas, he has to make a chatas. Ah, that makes sense. Maskif lo abaya, abaya attacks him. He says, mid yoch mitoch psolus, come on, did it teach, did it teach, oh, over here, it's food, it's the food from the waste, and over here, it's the waste from the food. Come on. It, it didn't, it, we, all these, all these conditions, you're stuck into it, it's not in the language. Alamar Abaya, Abaya says, this is, the, this is the reasonable way to read the Brisa. You can choose and eat immediately. And you can, and you can choose and leave it for others, right away. But for later that day, okay, not for immediately, okay, you should not choose. And if he did choose, that's the same thing as if you chose to put it away, you know, put, it, to put, it, put it away into the storehouse, into the silo, and the person is already obligated to bring a sacrifice. Only immediately, that's not the malacha. And they said over this teaching of Abaya, this explanation in front of Rava, his famous teacher, uh, in front of, pardon me, in front of Rava, his famous colleague, Omar and Rava said to them, Nachmani, which is a nickname for Abaya, he said, Abaya said, very well. And the truth is, in the halacha, all these combinations of explanations are all put together. We learn, here the language is a little different than before. We're talking about two different types of food, not one, not a food and a waste product, but two different types of food. So we learn, we learn, the Gemara says, you had two types of food in front of a person, if the person chose and he ate, and he chose and he left over for others, left it for others, Ravashi, Masni, Pater, Ravashi says, such a case, he's Pater, in other words, he's exempt from punishment, but he wasn't allowed to do it. Rav Yirmi Difti Master, says Chayv. He says no, he's Chayv. That's that's he's obligated to make a sacrifice. That's called choosing food from food. With the first opinion, Ravashi said, well, that it's, he's exempt from Torah punishment, but forbidden by the rabbis. Rav Yirmi says he's even liable to Torah punishment. Ravashi Masni Pater. Why do Ravashi? Ravashi said that he's that he is exempt from Torah's punishment, but forbidden for by the rabbis. The Gemara says, what are you talking about? You want to tell me? How can you say that? Didn't we learn in the Brisa above Chayev that a person is Chayev for choosing? He's Chayev Torah punishment. So the Gemara says, Look, Kasha. Oh, when did Ravashi say that he that he's exempt from Torah punishment? It's when he uses these uh, non-normal utensils. He uses the funnel, the coin funnel, or he uses a big plate. And when when the Brisa said that he's obligated Torah punishment, that's when he used the various type of sieves, the, the, the fine one and the coarse one. So he's therefore he's saying, according to according to Ravashi, use the Kananatam is also forbidden by the rabbis, but he goes in from Torah punishment. Those are not the normal utensils for selecting. And when you use the normal utensils for, for selecting, he's already obligated a Torah punishment. Kiasa Rav Dimi, where Rav Dimi came from Eretz Yisrael, Omar Shabbat Once upon a time, it was a Rabbi Avoy's time to be the serve, the one who would serve the the uh, the students of Torah. Biklai Rav Ami Rav Asi Rav Ami Rav Asi were there. Shadakamayu He threw a basket of fruits in front of them. He didn't throw it at them. He threw it in a way here that it's all that it's all spread out, and it's naturally the fruit naturally spreads away. It separates. He throws tosses out the whole basket, and it naturally separates from. The, from the leaves. But Loyadane said, we didn't know what his reasoning was. What was the reason that he threw it out that way? In other words, why didn't he, did, why didn't he just choose out the fruits from the leaves or, and give it to us? He says, we didn't know if the reason was that he thought that choosing even the food from the, the opposite way, not choosing the bad part from the good, but choosing the food from the waste product that he held as forbidden, and 
that's why he threw it out in such a way that it automatically separates and we're allowed to eat it. And that's why he didn't do the job for us. We don't know. Maybe it's the other way. Really? Or maybe it's quite possible. He really held that he could have. He was allowed to separate the food from the from the leaves that wasn't a problem because the food from the waste is okay but uh, but he and the reason he tossed out the whole basket he wanted to give he wanted to uh, give uh, bring us a, a big thing all at once you know it's a way of being generous showing generosity chizkia omar uh, pardon me we, we say we track we say omar chizkia chizkia said Habora turmesin, okay, turmesin were a famous type of bean i think that they ate but what whatever it was though here was the quality Turmesin needed to be cooked seven times before they were edible. You had to cook it seven times. But there's another quality of turmesin. You had to cook them seven times. And once they were cooked seven times, they became very delicate. And if you would leave them in the shell, they would rot. They would go bad. So they, they, were, they, they took seven times cooking them, and then they were kind of vulnerable. You had to get, you had to get them out of the shell quick. You had to get them out of the shell before they rot. So a borer, turmesin, so if a, if a person, after he did all the cooking of these beans, you take them out of the shell, of the person is obligated by Torah law for what? That is called choosing. So one second, but if you're taking the bean out of the shell, aren't you taking the good part? You're taking the food from the waste. I thought we said... I thought we said that that is... That, I thought we said that that's okay. You're going to tell me he holds that that's usher? Okay, the Gemara says, don't worry. Shani Turmesin. Now, this is a hard thing to explain. I'm going to take one explanation. He says, Turmesin are different. Why? The Shalki Lei Shivazim, because we, we, we cook them seven times. The Elo Shakli Lei, the way we're reading, and if you don't take them, okay, if you don't take them, uh, they go rotten. So, if I understand correctly, according to the first explanation of Rashi, which is the one we're going to use, the and therefore, in this case, even though normally taking a bean out of a shell would be taking the food from the waste, here it's like taking the waste from the food. And why is that? Because I think if I understand correctly from Rashi, it's like these beans have kind of a skits personality. On one hand, they're the food. On the other hand, they're, they're so likely to go bad pulling, by pulling them, and they're, they're, they're looked at also as a waste product. So therefore, pulling one bean from, from among the others is like pulling the waste product from the good product. So it, it, they're actually both at once. So in this particular case, even though normally, let's say, taking the bean from the shell would be taking food from the waste product and would not be, it would not be, it would not be usser. Here, it's going to be usser because it's like taking the waste product from the food because it's so vulnerable to going bad. We also learned Hatochen, okay? We, we, we learned in the Mishnah that grinding is one of the 39 chief categories. Amra Papa, Papa says, Haiman de Parim Soko. If a person cuts beets very fine into very thin pieces, Chai Mishum Tochen. That person is obligated because of grinding. Just like when you grind, you break down the, the kernel of wheat into small little 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 uh, fragments. Cutting a, cutting a beet in a very fine way is also, is also forbidden because of grinding. And he's obligated. Let's say a person a person chops wood into very fine pieces into kindling. Okay, He's also obligated because of grinding. Cutting down wood that fine is is is, is grinding. Amravashi he copied Amishaso. He said if the person is exacting with the measurement, he's very careful about the measurement. Then he's then 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 he's obligated uh, because of he's obligated because of cutting to size. Uh, 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 because when you want to, when you want to make a set size, he's obligated to size. So he said first he's obligated he's obligated for grinding, and if you oblig- if you're careful about the size, then, then then that is an obligation because of cutting to size. But Lashra, we spoke about kneading and baking. 
Amar of Papa, so Papa says very strange, in the Mishkan they were not baking, even though we had bread in the, in the, in the service of the Mishkan, but the building Mishkan didn't have baking bread. They didn't bake things for the building of the Mishkan. What they did was they were cooking the plants that they had to use for the dyes. Why did we talk about baking when we should be talking about cooking? Amar Papa, that's what Papa said. Shabak Tani didn't bishul someone to have a mishkan. He says Artana abandoned the cooking of the of the of the dye plants uh, 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 that was in the mishkan. But Nakat Ofa and he took and he took and he, and he and he rather chose to speak about baking. What's going on? So the Gemara says, don't worry. Tana didan sidur de pas because Artana wanted to teach the process of baking bread. Now, I understand simply because the member of the Mishnah always wants to teach pedagogically, and everybody that baking bread is the process that everybody's involved in. Not everybody's a dyer. Baking bread is the daily process that everybody knows, and teaching the malachas of the Mishkan in the process of making bread is going to be a way that we're going to learn the halachas correctly. If you took, let's say, a tent peg or a piece of wood you want to use for a tent peg and you want it to be hard, but it's very soft now, it's moist, what do you do? So you throw it into the fire, the fire is going to, uh, going to, is going to harden it. So the person is obligated for cooking. So when I said, Pshita, what's the difference? You, you, you cook anything. Anything you cook is cooked. Now, obviously, he's obligated for cooking. Since the person wants to harden this wood, okay, and therefore what? That's not called cooking. Cooking, when you cook something, you soften it, not when you harden it. The answer is, this is the way at least Rashi learns. Kamashvalan. Therefore, therefore, he says it's not obvious. Therefore, the the the, the therefore Rabbi Chabavira had to tell me this chiddush. What is he going to tell me? The the mirpa rafi rather comment that when you when you harden a piece of a piece of moist wood, it first becomes soft and then it contracts and becomes hard. So therefore, you're chayev for cooking, even though in the end you're hardening it. But since in the process of hardening it, you're going to soften it, that is considered cooking. And there's some kashas we can ask from later, which will be obvious. Amar Rabbi Baravuna Hayman the Kufra. Let's say a person a, a person boils up pitch. You're taking tar and you're going to liquefy it. You're going to soften it. Chai, you boil it up. Chai mishum babashal. You chai for cooking. Obviously, what else are you doing? You're cooking. You're putting the fire and you're cooking it. Gemara says no, it's not obvious. Since I would have thought the hada vakusha. Since once you soften it, it goes back and becomes hard. Amalo, I'd say that's not. He's not obligated for cooking it. Kamashvilan tells me no. He's obligated. You soften it, even though it's eventually it's going to get hard again. That's your goal. You're, you're cooking it to soften it, and you are. Obligated. If a person, if a person makes a, okay, now this is very, it is, the Gemara doesn't spell it out. We're going to get it. Remember, their barrels were made out of clay. They were like clay urn. It was a, it was a clay container. What they called the barrel. A person who processed, who made a clay barrel, earthenware barrel. The person has seven sac, seven chatas sacrifices. Knows he did seven chief categories of work. What are they? Okay. And Rashi teaches one tochen because he had to, he had to grind the clods of earth to get the to get the raw material. Borer he had to choose in order to take out the take out the uh, stones etc from these from these uh, clods of earth. Marakade the person had to the person had to sift uh, sift. Um, uh, them in a sifter. Lash, he had to knead them when he had to put them together. He had to make the the uh, raw material with water. Memachik, he had to he had to uh, uh, smooth it when he 
smooth out the the uh, the clay or whatever it is in order in order to use it. Mavir he had to, he had to light a fire when he lit the fire in the oven in order to in order to put the barrel in there to uh, to cook to bake it in the oven. Mavasho and he's called cooking. Okay, when he puts the when he when he puts it in, when he puts the clay barrel into the oven in order to fire it, then he's obligated for cooking. And furthermore, tanura. If a person makes an, a clay oven, he okay. Then he'll be he'll be obligated for eight. I with it's gonna be the same seven that he's obligated for making the barrel. But there's an eighth one, and why is that? Because because when it comes to because when it comes to making the clay oven, after he may, does all the same process that it's he would do for the clay barrel, he also smears a final a final layer of mud on it or whatever it is in order to in order to. Uh, to make it last, so he has an eighth. Um, so he has an eighth um, obligation um, uh, because of that. Why is that? One second, uh, because that's makabipatish. That's called that's called the final hammer blow, and he he does the finishing process, which is not the case. I said, where's the final hammer blow by the by the uh, barrel? The answer is there. He doesn't make the final hammer blow. It happens automatically when it's in the oven. But here, by him smearing the mud on the outside of the oven, he is making the final hammer blow, and therefore he's obligated an eighth chatas. Uh, let's say a person makes a, it's like a round basket of reeds, a reed basket. And you'd have, you that's done by weaving. So, so baskets are essentially a process of weaving. Just like by cloth, we had all the obligations for weaving. You're going to have them here. And a person weaves this round reed basket. It's like cylindrical. He's going to have 11 sin offerings. Okay, why is that? Because he did 11 categories of work. One, Kotzer. Here, he had to harvest the reeds. Notea. Uh, why is that? He's also obligated he also, uh, He's also obligated for planting. Why? Because, uh, um, because we said, because when he cuts them, when he cuts these reeds, it's also, it's also uh, harvesting and also planting, also making them grow. If I'm not mistaken, that's what I think it is. Let me just double check. Yeah. That's what I think it is, yeah. He also makes them grow. Ma'amer, gathering, when he gathers the reeds together. So that's number three. Number four, borer, when he has to choose the good reeds from the bad ones. So he does choosing. Memachek, he's, he's, he has smoothing when he smooths out, when he when he uh, smooths the reeds to make them to make them good for processing. Tochen, grinding, when he's gonna he's gonna he's going to thin them down. So he, he grinds them down to make them thin. Mechatech, cutting to size because he has to cut the reeds to size. Mesech, he's going to have. Remember, Mesech was when you when the, when you're going to when you set the uh, the warp, the up and down, uh, the up and down. Which in this case they go all around, but it's the, the one one section of reeds in the basket is called the ones that go all around like this are called the are called the like the spokes in a wheel. That's called Mesech. That's the same thing as making the warp threads on the loom. Oh, that's that's number eight. Number nine, Osa Shnebatinirim. The person makes two two uh, puts the things through two heddles, uh, because what he does is he does he, he does in the processing of the basket. There's a part of the basket making that surrounds all of the all the reeds that would be like the would be like the warp. There's a there's a there's like a circular thing that goes around all of them, uh, which is the same thing as putting them through the heddles, Oreg. 
Number ten is number ten is weaving when he actually does the weaving. He does, now he puts the other reeds that go around uh, in a circular fashion that go in and out, you know, over and under the other reeds. Number eleven, makavapathish. Number eleven is is when he is he when he does the final thing. Why? Because he cuts in the final end. He cuts all the the uh, the reeds in the basket to even them out. That is also and that's it. He does an actual makavapathish, a final hammer blow. So those are number eleven. And if he makes a rim, okay, if he sews a rim around the top of it, okay, then he's going to add two more. He's going to be obligated for 13. He's going to be high for 13 uh, sin offerings, okay? Okay, why is that? The 11 that we said before, and there's two more. When you make the rim, he also does tofer. He also does sewing in order to do that for kosher, and he also ties them off. Uh, and so therefore, what, uh, so, so therefore, he's obligated for two things. He does the sewing and the tying off. He's obligated to for two more altogether, 13. Furthermore, goes as a samurav If a person shears wool, uh, we said in the Mishnah, or, or malabno, when you whiten it, you have to wash it. Those things are also two of the chief categories of work. What if you did something interesting like this? What do you normally do? You shear the wool from the sheep, then you take the wool, you twist it into, you 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 comb it, you separate the fibers, then you twist them into threads. What if you did it not that way? You did it in an incredible way. A person spins the wool of the sheep on the sheep while it's still on the sheep. So what does this guy do? He combs the he combs it on the on the sheep. He spins it on the sheep and then he shears it he shears the spun threads from the back of the sheep. He says Chayv Shalos Chatos. He's Chayv for three sacrifices. Why? Echos Mishim Goze is one for shearing it after, after he after he uh, combed it and and spun it. It's one for combing, which he did on the sheep. And one for spinning, which he did on the sheep. says, get out of here. He's not. He's not obligated. That's not a normal way of shearing. That's not a normal way of combing. And that's not a normal way of spinning. You don't spin on the sheep. You don't comb on the sheep. And you also don't shear the, shear the wool from the sheep after it's been combed and spun. Okay, so he says you're not obligated. It's not not obligated. You're not obligated to make a sacrifice. I have a low. A second, no. When a second, I'll, t- I'll show you. That we learned. We have a tradition that that was ex- that you say that's abnormal. That's exactly what the incredible women in the desert did when they made the Mishkan. Well, did we learn? Did we learn the name of Rabbi When it says that all these incredible women, and it says what that what did they do? Because it says it says a very interesting thing. It says Tabu It says they spun the sheep. A very funny thing. So so. So what does that mean? Shatov bizim v'tava bizim. They washed it on the sheep and they spun it on the sheep. Alma gabi So you see that spinning on the sheep is called spinning. So how can you tell me, Rav Kahana, that it's not normal? You see that they did it in the desert? Because my answer is, Chachmi Yaseir shiny. Outstanding wisdom, extra wisdom, outstanding wisdom, the particular outstanding skill of these women is different. They can't be representative of everyone. They were special, they could do it, but for normal people, that's not a normal way. And therefore, Rav Kahana says, a person would not be chayav for such an action. We learned that Tolish is if a person if a person plucks a feather from the wing of a here, let me just tell you how would they how would you process feathers from the bird? You would pluck a feather, that's number one. Number two, the, the top part, which is soft, you would just clip it off. That was already good for for uh, cushioning and padding, etc. And the bottom part, which is hard of the feather, you know, very hard, then you pull off the you pull off the soft part from the hard part. So the top part you leave everything and you just clip it off and use it. And the bottom part you have to pull the the so to speak, the hairs off the bottom of the feather in order to use those for padding, etc. So Tanabana we learned a 
Tanakh. If a person plucks a feather from the wing of uh, from the wing of the bird, okay, va'komto, and the person then and and akodmo, and the person cuts off the soft top, va'marto, and the person plucks you know plucks the hairs off of the soft. Off the, off the hard bottom, for that process, and the person has to bring three sacrifices. Why is that? Okay, why is that? Uh, we'll see in one second. She says, what is that? When he plucks it, that is, he's obligated for the same law as shearing, when he plucks the feather from the wing. When he clips off the top, he's obligated for cutting to size. When he pulls off the soft hairs uh, from the from the hard bottom of the of the feather, then he's obligated. When he pulls off the hairs, he in the bottom he is high because of smoothing. We learned also what about tying and untying. Where do you have tying in the Mishkan? What are you talking about? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because the, the, the coverings that were on top of the Mishkan, they had to be tied down so they wouldn't flop around in the wind. So they would tie them to pegs that would go into the ground. Okay? So Gemara says, Ahu Koshar, but Gemara says, what are you talking about? So he says, So they would tie them to the ten pegs. What are you talking about? That's not really tying. We know that tying has to be a knot that's, that, that's not going to be, that, that's made to be tied and stay, not a tie, not one that's made to be untied. Um, Abaya Abaya says, no, you know what, she can argue with us. Here's what it was. When they were actually weaving, when they were weaving the hangings for the Mishkan, the cloth, let's say, let's say a thread on the loom broke. So what did they do? Kosher So you'd have to tie the thread. It broke. You tied it together and continued weaving. Amalei Rava, so Rava said to him, that's very good. Terat's the kosher. Very good, okay. So you, you explain to me where you find tying in the Mishkan. Matir Ma'ikah Lameh. What are you going to find? Where do you see untying in the Mishkan? Where was that a malacha of the Mishkan? And if you're going to tell me, oh, I'll tell you what happened. Here's what happened. You know where you have untying? It just so happened, bad luck, not, not, not only did one one string on the loom break and you had to tie it in a knot. But the one right next to it also broke, you had to tie a knot right in the same place. And two knots together would be make an ugly cloth. So what you would do is you would untie one and leave the other one tied. That's what you're going to tell me. And therefore there was untying in the Mishkan. He says, get out of here. Well, when you leave one untied, you're leaving a hole. They were very thick threads. You're leaving a hole in it. He says, Hashtal, if they melbust, for a human king, you wouldn't do such shoddy work and leave a hole. In the cloth, you're going to do that in front of the King of Kings, Hashem. So Rabbi says, rather you have to explain it like this. Here's what happened. Okay, pardon me. And what did they do, by the way? Just to explain, what did they do if you had two strings that broke one next to the other? They would do the following. Imagine, let's call the point where the strings both broke at the same place zero. Let's call what's above them pluses and what's below them minuses. So let's say they both broke at point zero. So what you do is you have you tie a knot, let's say on the left one, at point zero. You don't want to tie a knot at the one on, on uh, you can't, and if you tie it a knot at point zero on the right one, it's going to make it's going to be ugly. So what you do is not only you don't just untie it, you cut it above, let's say at three plus, and you cut it below, let's say at minus three, and now you tie another piece of another piece of string, one at plus three and one at one at minus three, and now even though you have, you have two knots uh, on the right string, but but uh, and one knot on the left string, but the knot on the left string is at zero, and the knots on the right string are plus three and minus three, so there's no ugly uh, point in the cloth. Where two knots are next to each other. Okay, good. But then, but then we're still stuck. So what is the untying? Because over there they would cut it. They would cut it. They would cut. The, they would cut the string from the right hand one. So Rabbi says, Rabbi says, and here's what happened. In order to trap 
the famous chilazan that was used to make the blue dye. So therefore, what you'd have to you'd have to tie your net and untie your net. If you want to make a net bigger, you have to untie it to retie it to other to another net to make a bigger one. And that, that and that and, that, the, and the, that's a t- the tying is made for real for, for a permanent basis. And the untying is and the untying is is a is a true untying. And, and some people say it's untying in order to tie, as we have to, as we said. But tofer state tfiros. We said also what about about sewing two stitches of a hollow of a hollow kaima. What do you mean? If you just put a needle into a cloth in and then in again, you know, saying that's not going to last, and, we, and sewing that doesn't last is not going to be sewing. You're right. It's not just you put the needle into you stuck the needle into the cloth twice with the thread, but you also you also tied the you tied the heads off, and therefore the sewing lasts. We said if a person tears. In order to sew, okay, that's an obligation. Where'd you have tearing in the Mishkan? When did you have to do such a thing to build the Mishkan? Rabba, Rabbi Zeir, both of them said the following. Okay, let's say a, 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 a worm got into the cloth and it made a hole. And you can't, if you can't just sew up a hole by itself, why? Because it, make, it crimps, it puckers out. It's not a neat fixing. So what would they do? So you'd have to, you'd rip it on the two sides and so you'd get, and then you'd have, you'd have a straight line to sew together. So therefore, that was a ripping in order to sew that they had in the Mishkan. The hole would be ripped on, ripped from side to side on both sides, and then sewn up in a straight line, and that was the ripping. Thank you very much, Rabbi Have a wonderful.